0: Let's um, pray. Hmm. Jesus, will you um, stir in us this morning a passion for your name? Spirit would you uh, renew us would you reveal more to us today than you ever have before mm-hmm. Father would you make your love more known to us mm-hmm. uh, through your word and by your spirit we pray Oh man. <clears throat> <clears throat> Um, starting a new uh, sermon series today called Where the Spirit of the Lord is uh, dot 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 and then each week we'll be uh, filling in different different aspects of that sentence. Now when you look at it on paper uh, and you look at the title uh, you might think well hang on that's a very it's it's just all about the Holy uh, Spirit which is not necessarily a bad thing but it's actually a much more uh, Trinitarian sermon series than it appears to be by its title. Uh, We're going to be looking at all the aspects of the Trinity Father, Son and Holy Spirit through the course of the next uh, few weeks. Um, but I really uh, have been feeling led um, recently as I've been praying, as I've been waiting about where we should go after Easter, uh, and as I met with the, the people who preach regularly, uh, we sought some time uh, spent some time with God praying about it as well, uh, that it was really important that we had this season um, to kind of just really highlight, in a way, the work of the Spirit in his church and in his people. And what we expect uh, to see when the Spirit of God is, is moving. Uh, and then I was uh, umming and ahhing us for a long time as whether this was the right thing to do. And when we met uh, as the preachers and prayed, that was really uh, affirming and helpful. I wanted to make it very clear that this wasn't something that I wanted to do, but this had to be kind of led by God if we're going to do this. Uh, then we had the Holy Spirit Day uh, as part of the Alpha course um, just a couple of weeks ago. And a number of people who were on that course from the church um, said it. It would be really helpful if actually some of this teaching uh, could be for the whole, uh, the whole church. And so I kind of saw that as a bit of affirmation that, that yes, this is the, the right thing to be uh, doing uh, for now. Because for me, and, and I'm not going to say that I've looked into this massively theologically, I've not done searches on church history about this, uh, and I've not necessarily checked to see whether it's uh, completely right. But for me personally, The presence of the Holy Spirit in the church is one of the greatest validations that God can give us as a church. That if God is willing to let his spirit dwell in our presence and to move amongst us, we must be doing something right. And I I will share this, and I wasn't going to share this, but I will. When Linz and I were first considering this, this job, uh, and we'd spoken to Davina and, and we got quite excited about the prospect of it and all of those kind of things. Um, we obviously wanted to come incognito on a Sunday. I don't know how incognito it was. It was in the middle of summer. Uh, we probably stuck out like sore thumbs. But what we said to God was, uh, and Lens and I said to each other, when we go, we want to find two things. And if we find those two things, uh, then, then this is the job for us. We wanted to find a welcome, so as in to be greeted by more than three people that weren't Peter and Davina, and we wanted to find the presence of God. And we believe we came, and we found those two things. And since we've been here, and I think particularly over the past three months, um, there really seems to be a, kind of an increase, I suppose, in our, in our awareness of the presence of the Spirit amongst us. Um, And actually, those lights have actually just spoken fairly prophetically to me when they went out and they came back on again. I don't know if you know the technicalities of these lights, but when certain lights in here go out, uh, they have to wait for 10 minutes before they can come back on again. They have a sort of uh, overheat, so they don't overheat, basically, um, and they don't trip everything else. And as that happened, and as I saw the lights warming up again, and, and there's still a couple still flickering away, waiting to warm up, I had a sense maybe that's where we are as a church and where some people are with the Holy Spirit. That uh, that there are people here and people in our our benefice who have been on fire with the Spirit before and have have, have understood what he does and and where he is, but have since kind of gone a little bit cold. Uh, And there's a sense in which God is just warming us up again to him. Uh, rebuilding our trust in him, as it were, rebuilding our, our sense of being able to trust who he is and what he's doing. But he's doing that in a new way. He's not doing it in a way that you may have seen before and certainly that I've not seen before because to me it's, it's gentle and it's beautiful and, and I come to church expectant and excited to wait and see what God's going to do. And that's a beautiful place to be in. Uh, and I think, uh, for me personally, that's, that's a validation, not of my ministry or anything like that, but a validation of us as a church that God is choosing to bless us with the presence of his spirit I think that's a wonderful validation and that's not to, I'm not saying we're a perfect church um, the whole point of needing his spirit is that we're not a perfect church and we need his, his spirit to make us more and more into what he's calling us to be but he is choosing to bless us with the presence of his spirit and I think that's a really wonderful thing and so this sermon series is, is, to, is to kind of put names to that, I suppose, in a way. And, um, yeah, I will. At St. Mark's this morning, um, uh, somebody came up to me after the sermon, and, and they said, um, you, you have the ability to move us. And that, for me, was a validation that we're doing the right thing, because I don't believe it was me that was moving anybody. It was the Spirit. The Spirit is moving in our people, and what we're hoping over this next sermon series is it will be able to put language to that. Does that make sense? That it will be able to recognize that this is God, that whatever is happening here is God, and it's good because it's God, and that the presence of the Spirit is good because he's God, and that we need God, and that we need his presence with us. And so it's kind of putting language to things that we may have described as other things and saying, well, actually, no, that's the Spirit of God at work in our benefice and in our parish and so today we're looking specifically at how, uh, that where the Spirit of the Lord is, Jesus is revealed. That's what I mean by it being a very Trinitarian series, that actually you can't look at the Spirit of God without looking first at the person of Jesus and who he is, uh, who he claimed to be, what he came to do. Uh, the Alpha Course starts very rightly at looking at the person of Jesus, and its definition for doing that, or its reason for doing that, is basically saying that Jesus makes sense of everything else. <laughs> That when you get Jesus, it makes sense of the rest. That he is kind of the cornerstone, as we've just been singing, the cornerstone that holds it all together. Uh, he's the one who, who, who makes sense of everything. And the Spirit, one of his primary tasks, and, and, and we're not looking just at the function of the Spirit, we're looking at the person of the Holy Spirit over these next uh, few weeks as well. Um, but one of his primary functions, one of his primary tasks is finally, finally warming up. One of his primary things is to reveal Jesus to us. To reveal to us who Jesus really is. In the Old Testament... We can, we can track, in a way, the work of the Holy Spirit quite easily. You can see that he's there in the beginning, hovering over the waters, that he's there in creation uh, right from the start. And then you see at various points, he, kinda, he falls or he descends or he fills uh, specific people for specific tasks at specific times to do really specific things. You have uh, Bezalel, who is filled with the Spirit. Uh, and the first gift of the Spirit is creativity, that he's filled with the Spirit so that he can do things, crafty things that he's never been able to do before. With God gold and silver and, and jewels uh, so that he could take, make a part in building the, the, the tent that, where the Ark of the Covenant was going to be kept, the presence of God. He was given the spirit of God. And then you have Gideon uh, who was given boldness. Now Gideon was a complete and utter wuss. Uh, he was a weakling. He was scared of everything. If a mouse came into the room, he'd probably run a mile. But then God's spirit fell upon him and he suddenly became this brave, mighty warrior. Then you have Samson who uh, wasn't a particularly strong person but then he received the spirit of God and he was in prison and it said the chains around his wrists became like rope of broken twine and he was able to just snap them as he received the strength from God by his spirit. But where we see the Spirit of the Lord uh, kind of most at work in a way in the Old Testament and and most easy to chart is in the work of the prophets, that those people who were appointed or anointed or given God's Spirit to preach the good news, to proclaim what God was doing, also to preach the challenge, to say, this is what we think is happening, this is what you need to turn from, this is who you need to turn to, and this is what God is going to do. And in the majority of the time, when they were called by the Spirit to speak of the things that God was going to do they were pointing to a messiah they were pointing to somebody who would come who would bring about god's salvation plan somebody who would come who would change everything for the whole course of history and all the future and they were pointing they were highlighting the work of jesus and so in the presence of the spirit empowered by the spirit these people in the old testament hundreds of years before he came were revealing Christ. We're revealing God's plan to send Jesus. And then when Jesus comes into uh, this world that we celebrate at Advent, it's almost like a trumpet sounds or the cork on a, on a champagne bottle just flies off. And suddenly the Spirit is is everywhere doing all kinds of really exciting things. And he's, you see him uh, with Mary conceiving Jesus. You see him uh, with Elizabeth, her cousin, as she goes to visit. And even actually, this is uh, one of my favorite things about the Spirit of God, because it's just so mind-boggling, that a baby in a womb, experiences the presence of the Holy Spirit and knows, absolutely knows, that he's in the presence of Jesus the Messiah. And he leaps in his mother's womb. And then uh, Jesus himself, obviously, that when he comes on earth, uh, you see the Spirit of God in his life, at his baptism, It's the first time that it's recorded that the Spirit of God is in a kind of tangible form, I suppose, a a practical form, as the Spirit descends on him like a dove, and then he hears the words of the Father, the affirming words of the Father, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. So the Spirit revealing Jesus to be the Son of God, empowering John the Baptist to do the same in his ministry. And then when Jesus is in the temple uh, and he's given a scroll and said, would you read from the scroll? He was recognized as as a wise teacher. He unrolls the scroll. And what passage does it happen to be on that day? It's Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has appointed me to proclaim freedom for the captives. And then he stands up and he says, that's me. That is about me. The Spirit of God is revealing Jesus, even from hundreds of years before, through the prophet Isaiah. And then Jesus uh, goes on to testify to the Spirit that they testify in a way to one another. And that passage in John fifteen. If you really want to get your get to grips uh, with the Trinity and what it means to believe in a God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then I want to urge you this afternoon. Look, it's a dreary, rainy afternoon. You're probably not going to be going out anywhere this afternoon. Go home open your Bibles, read John chapters 15 and 16. They are absolutely beautiful passages that just reveal to us the intimate relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they're absolutely incredible. And at the end of 15, which we've just heard, Jesus is talking about the sending of the counsellor or the Advocate, or the Holy Spirit, however your translation puts it. It says, when the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who comes from the Father, he will testify about me. He will testify about me. And then when we see Pentecost, which we're going to be celebrating in a few weeks' time, that amazing time in Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit of God, the prophecy of Joel chapter 2, which is, I will pour out my Spirit on all people, comes to absolute fruition at Pentecost. It's absolutely amazing. They see incredible things of the Spirit, things they've never seen him do before, completely inexplainable things, so it can only possibly be God's, unless you're those cynical people in the crowd who think they're drunk, uh, it's alcohol at work here. And then Peter stands up. And filled with the Holy Spirit, what does he do? He proclaims Christ. He reveals Jesus to the crowd. And he says, all of this is happening because Jesus really did rise from the dead. All of this is happening because Jesus really is who he said he was. And he preaches the gospel and we see thousands come to faith in Jesus. Because the Spirit has revealed him to the people, and then he goes on doing that throughout the new testament there 's this amazing, uh, amazing passage where uh, Paul is, is going to meet some christians who uh, who have sort of come to faith they, they believed in the person of jesus they 've been they 've had Jesus taught to them, they have become aware of who Jesus is, and then he prays for them he, uh, Peter prays for them and they receive the Holy Spirit. And it's like their eyes are open to all the stuff they never knew about Jesus. And that's ultimately what the Spirit longs to do, is to reveal, but also to go on revealing Jesus to us. You see, the revelation of Jesus isn't something that just happens when you first come to faith and that's it. Jesus is revealed. Go on and do it on your own from now. The Spirit goes on revealing Jesus to us. He goes on revealing more of him to us. You know, there's We'll never know everything there is to know about Jesus. You know, he is abundant. He is, he is full of everything of God. And, and, and the more we discover about him, the more we fall in love with him. And the more we fall in love with him, the more we want to discover more about him. And the more we discover about him, the more we fall in love with him. And so it goes on. But we were never called to, to get to know him on our own. If you are here this morning and you have professed to believe in Jesus, and you have chosen to follow him, and you've chosen to give your life to Jesus, then you already have the Spirit of God within you. In fact, it's absolutely impossible for you to be here this morning, claim you believe in Jesus, and to not have the Spirit of God within you. Because Paul says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. through his spirit who dwells in you. So if you believe in Jesus, then the spirit of God has led you to that point. Whether you've acknowledged him or not is completely different. But he has led you to that point. It is impossible to have faith without the spirit. And, and the acknowledgement of the spirit is a different thing. Uh, uh, on the Alpha course, they describe it a bit like a pilot light on a boiler, that every, every Christian has that pilot light running. Because if we believe in Jesus, we have the Spirit of God within us. But we have the opportunity to invite the Spirit to move within us and ignite the boiler, as it were, so that we can fulfill everything that God has called us to be, that we can be filled with the Spirit. So everybody has the Spirit, not everybody is filled with the Spirit. Does that make sense? If you have faith in Jesus, you have the Spirit in you. You wouldn't have faith in Jesus if it wasn't for that. But is your desire to be filled with the Spirit, so that you can be everything that God has called you to be. You see, he goes on revealing Christ to us, if we allow him to. Um, Lindsay and I have been married for nearly 13 years, he says, trying to work out his anniversary. Um, and when we got married, we obviously made our wedding vows to one another. We made promises to one another. Now, those promises are crucial. Those promises uh, sealed our married relationship. Those promises set us apart from being just friends, if that makes sense. But they made us husband and wife. The promises that we made to one another were a crucial part of our relationship. But 13 years ago, I didn't know Linz as well as I do now. It's not like you get married and then you stop getting to know the other person. (laughs) That's not how it works. The marriage is the beginning of a journey of discovery of the other person. A few weeks ago, um, Linz and I were at a marriage uh, retreat. It was a really wonderful weekend uh, put on by HTB and uh, a really wonderful time. And in a time of prayer ministry, we we were praying. uh, Another couple were praying for us as a couple. And they said, uh, I really sense God saying to you, Carl, you need to become uh, an expert in Linz. You need to to be the person who knows her more than anybody else, better than anybody else. It's a journey of discovery that you need to be her her number one fan, but also the most knowledgeable person about her, other than God, obviously. And you know what? That's how it is with us in Christ, that we are called to be uh, the bride of Christ, that he is our groom as a church. And if we just leave it to when we first came to faith and then just say, well, I've discovered everything I need f- about Jesus now, then then the marriage will never develop. The relationship will never go deeper. It will always be at the level that it was when you got married. But Jesus calls us deeper. He calls us higher. He calls us wider. He calls us to greater things. And there's always more of him to be discovered. And you can't do that on your own. The spirit becomes the presence uh, in our marriage, as it were. There's a passage in Ecclesiastes that I often use in weddings. That's about a cord of three strands. Uh, It says that when two lie down together, they keep each other warm. But, you know, that kind of thing. But then it says a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. What that means is, are you willing to weave God into your relationships? The presence of God into all of your relationships as a church, Are we willing to weave God into everything that we do? Because he's the one who helps us to get to know Jesus better, the Spirit. He reveals Jesus to us. So so when we sit down and we read our Gospels, you might read that passage that you've read hundreds and hundreds of times before. But then suddenly you're reading it and it reveals something to you about Jesus you've never seen. Or maybe uh, you're sat, uh, and I've had this where I've been sat in church and somebody has been preaching about Jesus. And they say something I've never heard before. And I know something about Jesus that's new. Yeah, you know, I believe that's the spirit of God revealing more of Jesus to me. And I believe he wants to do that every day in our lives. That as we spend time with him, he wants to reveal more of Christ to me. Earlier this week, I um, uh, was having one of those nights where I just wasn't sleeping. (laughs) And um, I put on a a, a talk by a guy called Francis Chan. I don't know if any of you have come across Francis Chan, but he's uh, an amazing preacher in the States. And he's got a very, very addictive passion, a very contagious passion for Jesus. And what he wants people to really realize is just how amazing it is that Jesus has chosen relationship with us just how life-changing that really is and it's a work of the spirit that reveals that to us and I was sitting there thinking I wonder where his passion comes from and then he started to talk a little bit about his prayer life and how he spends time with God and I began to feel a little bit guilty for not praying enough and then he talked about this wonderful thing. He turned 50 recently where uh, and his church asked him, what do you want to do for your birthday? Do you want to party? And he said, no, I want you to pray and fast for the day for my ministry. Uh, and then uh they did as a church they prayed and fasted for him for his ministry uh, he asked for four specific things one was to grow in passion one was to grow closer to Jesus than he's ever been before uh, one was to never be afraid of what people thinks when he stands up to preach uh, when he stands up to preach and i can't remember the fourth one and so they prayed those things and then someone handed him a calendar and uh, every day for the rest of that year, uh, it had a name of somebody who would be praying and fasting on that day for his ministry and for his passion and for all of those things. And then he went on to say, On Monday, I had a terrible day of temptation and sin and all those kind of things. That made me feel a bit better, uh, I'll be honest. But what's very clear about people like Francis Chan, and I'm not, I'm not putting him particularly on a pedestal uh, as an individual. He's, he's a, a great preacher who I admire, yes. But his number one priority in life is spending time with Jesus. There's no doubt about that. When you watch him preach, there is no doubt that his number one priority in life is spending time with Jesus. Is wanting to get to know Jesus better. More than anything else, he wants to get to know Jesus better. And he knows that he can't do that without the Spirit. Without the Spirit, we'll get to know Jesus to a certain point. But if we really want to get to know him, we need to ask the person who knows him better than anyone else to reveal him to us. (laughs) When you look at the intimate relationship between the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, when you read uh, John 15 and 16 and you see the intimacy between them, then there there is very clearly a relationship that we are invited into, where we can get to know Jesus as well as the Spirit does. That's a privilege. That's an honor. (laughs) That's incredible. And that's what I want for us as a church that we will have a desire, a hunger, a thirst to know Jesus more than we already do. And that as we seek that, we would know that we need his Spirit's help to do that. It's not a work that I can do through preaching. It's not a work that we can do through the songs that we choose. It's not a work that we can do through the type of style of service we put on, the number of prayer meetings we have, although all of those things help because prayer does change things. Worship changes things. Uh, God's Word opens up new things to us, and He reveals things through His Word. But if we do any of that without the Spirit, then I think we're wasting our time. And the presence of the Spirit, for me, is the greatest validation for us as a church that we're doing what God wants us to be doing. And I, for one, want to get to know Jesus better. And if you want to join me in that, as a church, as a benefice, then let's ask him to help us.